Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. But we enter into the first time in our Bible where we see an allegory. And we need to be careful because a lot of so-called Bible teachers will make everything in the Bible an allegory, and it's just not so. Uh, An allegory is a story, or sometimes it's a poem or a picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. And so Paul, what I really like about Paul, and maybe you appreciate this about him too, he is a master at bringing spiritual or godly godly argumentation. And by the time we get to the end of chapter 4, if you've been with us any length of time on Galatians, you've seen all this argumentation that Paul brings. Now he starts with this angle of allegories. Let's read, starting at verse 21. Galatians 4, 21. If so be that you've heard him... and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Oh, sorry, I'm in Ephesians. Sorry. Let me catch up with you. That was weird. Okay. Verse 21. Tell me that ye ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. The one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? See it? For these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, with which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. See that? We've got Sinai, bondage, Agar, Sinai, Arabia, Jerusalem, bondage. Now, verse 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Woo, that's a lot there, isn't it? I, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a chock full. So we might be here for a, a Sunday or two or three. Paul makes this appeal using allegory. And what is his intent? He wants to contrast this covenant of promise with this covenant of law. He's been doing this, contrasting this throughout Galatians. Earlier, he points to practicing law to earn 
or somehow keep or to somehow further show that you are more saved than somebody else. And so Paul is laying out these arguments in verse number eight of Galatians four. Just let me draw your attention there right quick. It says, you see where it says, um, Howbeit then when you knew not God, you did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now after that, you have known God or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. They're going back into the bondage. They're actually kind of desiring that thinking that the law is somehow desire us. So this law system, this lawism, or this legalism, is how we get legalism, by the way. All of that is just bondage. You bring yourself or someone else back into bondage. When he gets done with that, he basically tries to bring up their past and say, look, when we met, it was positive. Look at verse 12. It says, you have not injured me at all. Verse 13, look what he says. I preached the gospel unto you at the first. Verse 14, he says, you didn't despise or reject me. He says, you received me. Verse 15, he said, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. So he tells him on one hand, look, this legalism you guys are going back into, you're putting yourself into bondage. But look, remember at the same time, our past is positive, guys. You did all, you, you received me as receiving Jesus Christ himself, he says. Now, Paul hits them with a very, very powerful question. And let's look at it. Verse 21. Tell me that ye desire to be under the law. Do ye not hear the law? In other words, you guys really know what the law says? Are you really understanding the end goal of what the law is. And I want you to ask yourself this. Are you honestly being consistent with your reasoning and with your concluding concerning the law? And he's going to take them all the way back to the beginning. Now, isn't that brilliant? These are saved Jews coming in and mixing up the Galatians, Paul's converts. You got to go back into Judaism. And so he goes all the way back to their first book of the Bible, Genesis, and he uses the Torah, those, that written Torah, their own source text, and he brings them all the way back. And watch what he does in Galatians chapter 4, verse 23, or 22. We'll read both those verses. See it? For it is written that Abraham, he brings him all the way back, all the way back to the beginning, had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he was of the bondwoman, was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. So this context is loaded. Now stay with me here. You got Abraham, and Abraham's got two sons. One by a bondmaid. On the other hand, one by a free woman. Bond and free. You see that? Two sons. One after the flesh. One by promise. 
So he's contrasting bondage versus freedom and flesh versus promise. This is the contrast he's trying to draw out. He brings them all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, verse 24. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth the bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in the and is in bondage with her children. Bond babe, verse free woman, represents the two covenants. Who was the bondmaid? Who was the bondwoman? Hagar. Mount Sinai. Where's Mount Sinai? In Arabia. What's important about Mount Sinai? God's law was given there. See that? Who was the free woman? Sarah. Look at Genesis. Uh, look at look at Galatians chapter, uh, same chapter, verse twenty-two. Look, it says, "For it is written, verse twenty-two, that Abraham had two sons." Let's read it again. The one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. Everybody got it? Now go down to verse twenty-five. Let's read this one again. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is. And is in bondage with her children. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 16. Sinai bondage. Did y'all to get that? It's the true working of the law of Moses. Sinai is bondage. Let's go down to go back to Genesis 16 and watch what we get. Verse number eight, Genesis 16, verse number eight. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence thou, I'm sorry, whence camest thou? And whither wilt thou go? And he said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. Angel of the Lord said unto her, return to thy mistress. Submit thyself under her hands. Angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Angel of the Lord said unto her, behold, Thou art with child and shall bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord hath heard thy affliction and he will be, watch this, a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Now here's what we're going to say about that this morning. There's plenty to say, but here's what we're going to say. You know what you got? A wild man. You know what you got? A spirit of rebellion and a spirit of discontent. No reverence comes out of Ishmael. No nobleness comes out of that line of Ishmael. Matthew 23. I'm going to show you something here. Matthew chapter 23. Here's what the Bible says in verse 23. Matthew 23. 23, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe and mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have to have done 
and not to leave the other undone. You know what a Pharisee does? He disguises himself or herself as a free man, but they're really in bondage. That is the description, pretty simply put, about what a, Phar a, a Pharisee does. And a Pharisee typifies, typifies this law versus grace. We all know enough about the Bible to know the Pharisee is like, hey, look at all that I'm doing. Come on. I'm paying my men. I'm paying my cumin. See what I'm doing? See how I'm following the law? That's bondage because you've left out mercy and faith and kind of these things that are also Christian. They've got the letter but not the spirit. And they typify this grace apart from uh, this grace rather than law, law from grace. Okay. Getting tongue tied. Sorry. Let's go back to Galatians 4. If you're with me so far, say amen. I want to know that you got it. Amen. Okay. All right. This, uh, sorry. I lost my spot. Let me get it back. Galatians 4, verse 26. Now, watch this. Watch this. This is good. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. The desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. You know who you got? Typifying grace? Sarah. Jerusalem. Typical of the gospel. The gospel equals freedom. The gospel equals spiritual fruitfulness. Bondage of the law says I've got to do A, B, C, and D to be right with God. The freedom of grace says God saved me by his grace, and now I am free to follow what God asked me to do. Because I'm so grateful and thankful for what God did to me. I am free to live my life how I want to live my life. Young people, pay attention. This is important stuff. Young people, eyes up. Pay attention to Brother Jimmy. This is very important. You can grow up in a Christian home. You can be told, don't do this, don't do that. All parents have rules and laws that you have to obey. <laughs> Aren't they great? <laughs> no. So look, they're good for you. They'll keep you safe. They'll keep you, okay, look. I'm preaching the choir. Parents, you know all this. Young people, when you grow up, you are going to have to make a decision on your own whether or not you want to live for God. Your parents can make the decision for you now. As for me and my house, <laughs> how about that? That's what we're going to do. But you know what? If your heart's in bondage, it doesn't matter how many laws and rules you give somebody. If their heart's in bondage, they need to be set free. When you grow up and you're 16, 17, and 18, and even us adults that are in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, guess what? We can do what we want to do. Now, we might suffer a consequence for doing, you know, dumb stuff, but we can do what we want 
and the earth isn't going to swallow us up. God's a perfect gentleman. He'll give you what you want. What do you want? Do you want to serve God because you're free and you're so grateful for what he did for you? Oh, God. Oh, would be to God that we would think like that. Paul's free from legalism. He left all that bitterness, all that doom, all that gloom. His pharisaical days are behind him. Now he can glory in tribulation. Wow. Who were Abraham's two sons? Ishmael and Isaac, right? Abraham's son by the bondmaid Hagar was Ishmael. Abraham's son by the free woman Sarah was Isaac. Back in Genesis, you had two. Well, Abraham and Sarah had an idea. They had a scheme. They had devised something in the flesh. And by the way, anytime that happens, it's never going to turn out biblical. I mean, it's, anytime we try to devise and scheme and come up with something outside of God's will, we're sunk. If you and I trust God enough, there's no need to devise your scheme and come up with a better idea. God's always, God always has a better idea. Go to his word. I'll tell you, we try to do, we used to do, we're in a different book now, but there are morning devotions and then they turn to evening devotions. Then they turn back to morning devotions. You say, when do you do devotions? I don't know. Whenever you think it's going to work for your family, but do them, do them. We used to go whatever day it was. That was the proverb we were going to be on. I'm telling you, you go through Proverbs every day. You're going to glean a lot of just practical truth and wisdom on how to live your life without gimmicks. God's principles work. If you believe God's promise, we don't need a gimmick. When we come up with a scheme or a gimmick to show everybody how godly we are, we actually show them we're not as godly as we think we are. And that's the pharisaical problem. It's all letter of the law, no spirit of the law. Let me just stop, pause, and park and just say that a lot of this experience for us being here almost three years now has been humbling, to say the least. When you look at what God does, it's humbling. When you have an idea and it doesn't work out the way you thought it was because God had something different or and better for you, you're just humble. I'm just telling you, these churches with all these gimmicky programs, I I don't want to go to church and get free coffee and donuts. Amen. I'm not going to church to get a free gas card. I don't want free gas. I want to know how to get I want to know how to get right with God. I want to know what the Bible says. I want to go to I want to look if you win somebody with a gas card, you're gonna to have to keep them with free gas. I'm not looking for that. I'm not against coffee. I'm not against donuts. I drink coffee every day, at least two cups, right? Look, and, and, and look, if we're passing a Waffle House, I'm getting a coffee. I'm not against it. I love it. But I'm not trying to win people to Jesus with coffee and donuts and free gas cards. Amen. We got something so much better. We don't have a gimmick. We've got the word of God. You want free gas? Go to the Catalyst. Go to the Flowing River. Go to one of these Saddleback outfits. They'll give you plenty of that. I just get fired up because so much can be done for God 
if we just would want to get in his word and be won over by God's word. Why, why, why are they trying to scheme a way to not be too preachy? I want to go to church to get preached at. I want God's word to change me. I want God's word to amend me. I want God's word to say, no, you're wrong. Get right. These McChurches, they come up and they tell you, you can change God's word to your liking. You can amend God's word. No. How about God's word amends you? We don't need gimmicks. We've got the word of God. We don't need a big, you know, smokes and lights and mirrors and dancing this and jumping jack that and pizza party here and pretzels the clown on Thursday night. We don't need none of that junk. We got God's word. I want kids to grow up knowing scripture, not knowing how to do a backflip on a stage because they don't want to call it a pulpit. A bunch of baloney is what it is. I, I want to have fun. I'm not Mr. You know, but can we have fun around God's word? Can kids have fun knocking on doors? Can kids have fun giving gospel tracks out? Can kids have fun holding scripture signs? Mine do. I'd love to have more to do it. You're just up against it with all this gimmicks and schemes. You're not going to get me sitting on a stool sharing. I'm going to preach the Bible. And the men that come up here, they're, going to, they're not going to sit on a stool and share in a pair of ripped jeans, a slick haircut, and a laptop. They're going to preach the Bible. They're going to give you the Bible. Next Sunday, we've got Brother Tom, faithful on the piano, studies his Bible. Doesn't say much. He don't need to. When it's his turn to preach, he's going to give you the Bible. All right? So that's what we want. But anyway, back to our facts in Genesis. We don't want gimmicky Christianity. And when Abraham comes up with this gimmick, it don't work. Get Ishmael. Genesis 12. You get God's promise of seed, Genesis 16. That's when you get the child conceived through the fleshly scheme with Hagar, the Egyptian maid. Genesis 17, 18. Now you have the miracle child of promise conceived by Sarah. And that's where this contrast lies. By Genesis 21, Isaac is weaned, Ishmael is cast out. We're free. We no longer seek salvation through works. We are no longer dominated by the guilt of sin. And when it says in the Bible, let's see, where is it? Verse 26, but Jerusalem, not the Jerusalem down here, the Jerusalem, which is above is free, which is the mother of us all. We're under God. We owe all to the church of God. The church is the pillar and the ground of truth. When the storms of life hit, the church offers shelter. And I don't mean that wall, that wall, that wall, that wall, and that wall. I mean the body of Christ. And if we want to function like a New Testament body of Christ, we must be willing to be under God. We must be willing to be led by the Spirit of God. We must be willing to say, you know what? I have nothing in common with that man in the back seat. I have nothing in common with this young man in the front seat that's half my age and going to college and studying things that I have no idea about. <laughs> but I don't have to. Because the one thing that brings us together is that we're part of the same body of Christ. We are free. We're not from the line of Ishmael. We're not at the Mount Sinai where the law has been given. 
the Spirit of God can be almighty in a New Testament church. We owe our fellowship to church. And it's not the building. It's the body of Christ. That's that whole thing with earthly Jerusalem. It's earthly. It's buildings. It's stuff. This is not about our fleshly mother or father. We don't get in because our parents were Christians. Praise God if you were raised in a Christian home. But young person, please hear me. Your daddy didn't die for your sins. Your mama didn't die for your sins. Jesus Christ died for your sins. Praise God that your parents want to raise you right and teach you the Bible and teach you spiritual things. But you're not going to get to heaven on your mommy and daddy's coattails. You've got to come to God the same way that your mommy and daddy came to God. And that is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Earthly Jerusalem is Mount Sinai. That's the law. And that's the demands that none of us can live up to. And by the way, our mother isn't Mary. Was brought up Roman Catholic. That's what we were taught. Our mother, verse 26, is New Jerusalem. And faith is not the mother of us all. Well, if you just have faith. Well, faith in what? Faith in who? Roman Catholic faith is supposed to be the mother of us all, by the way. It's not Bible. It's franchised religion, but it's not Bible. Religion always enslaves and Jesus always saves. We've been set free. Look at verse number one in Galatians five. The Bible says Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. May I say to you, as we get ready to close. You are not at the foot of Mount Sinai anymore. Stop living in bondage and start living in freedom for Christ. You are free to go out and preach the gospel. You are free to live a Christian life. You are free to live as godly as God himself would have you to live. You are free to be as righteous as God himself wants you to be. You are not a servant of sin anymore. You are a servant of righteousness. You try to preach godly living and you try to teach righteousness in your in your life. And people tune it out. The churches tune it out. They don't want the message. They just want you to come on Sunday. want you to check out and live like the devil Monday through Friday and Saturday, by the way. Yeah, but we'll get right for an hour. I'm telling you, I'm not playing a football game because Jesus Christ is better than football. You can pack a stadium, thousands of people. Thousands of people come to worship men running around in tights that can throw a football. Really? Really? I'm not going to wear leotards. Now, if you want to wear a pair of your underwear as outerwear, go ahead. I'm not doing it. Look, we, we throw the football around all the time. We have, look, I'm, I'm having fun, okay? But what I'm saying is, honestly, honestly, if I had to pick my favorite sport, or Jesus Christ. I, my favorite sport isn't even a close second. I don't even want it to be a close second. Right? I'm not saying don't. 
but don't get off of that. Go to Daniel 6 and Colossians 3. <laughs> Daniel 6 and Colossians 3, and we'll, we'll close her out. All right, let's do Colossians 3 first. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth in the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. We just talked about that. So that's Colossians 3. Now, just like Daniel, you and I have an open window toward Jerusalem. You know what he says in Daniel 6, verse 10? Watch what he says. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Christ, we, we seek things which are above, not earthly. And just like Daniel, we've got an open window to look up toward Jerusalem and pray and give thanks. And finally, I'll say this. One aspect of the law, it does appeal to people's innate self-righteousness and their self-conceitedness. Because we can say, look, I do this and you don't do that. That's the Pharisees. The law should be used to show us our need for a savior. Talking to somebody about Jesus Christ, when they don't see their need for a savior, when they're not humble, show them some law. Have you kept this command? No, because the law is designed to show you you need a savior. But a Pharisee will take the law and it will just fuel his self-conceitedness and his self-righteousness. We're polluted and defiled because of sin. Because of that, some will use the law as a condition for salvation because they can say, look, I've done these five things. You haven't. You see how I'm right and you're not? Well, based on that, yeah. But based on the Bible, no. So we need to be careful that we're using the law lawfully. We can't give a sleight of hand gospel that's bogged down with doings to receive Amen. instead of receiving in order to do. And that's the correct perspective. If not, we end up with a perverted gospel. And if you're seeking eternal life, but what by what you can do morally or lawfully, or by keeping this ordinance or that ordinance, you're deceived. Yes. And you must repent of your sin and trust in what Jesus Christ did for you. You have to say, you have to come to God on his terms. God, I'm a sinner. God, I've been trusting in fill in the blank. You have to repent of what that is, whatever that is. And put your full faith and trust in the merit of what Jesus Christ did for you. And he will completely and totally and eternally save you from sin, death, and hell, and condemnation. There will be no condemnation to those that trust Christ Jesus. And then instead of doing in order to receive, you receive, and now you're free to do and live for him. Finally, I'll ask this question. Are you ready? If you've already accepted Christ and trusted in him, are you ready to do more for him? than you've ever done for anything else, for things of lesser value.
And lastly, if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, we've got prayer branches, we've got pews, we've got an altar, you've got your car, you can run out behind a tree and you can bow your head and call out to God and say, God, here's what I've been trusting in. Will you please save me? And you just talk to God. You call out to God and recognize your need for a Savior. But don't bring any doings to him. Receive him. And then get on with the doings. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.